Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. I am joined here by Christian Clemente and Jason Caldwell. Welcome in, everybody, on the Auburn Undercover YouTube channel. If you guys are watching us live, I've already got some comments in here. We are excited to talk all things Transfer Portal, all things Signing Day, all things Bowl Game. And uh, we are glad you guys are here with us. Christian, day two pretty much wrapped up now, although... The San Jose State offensive lineman on Monday was at like 10.30 p.m. our time, so you never know. You never yeah, know. He's, what's out there on, uh, he's out there on Pacific time. I was going to say, you never know what's going to happen for those those West Coast guys, but uh, pretty quiet, pretty quiet second day. But uh, going back to Monday, that was, uh, that was a lot of movement from uh, both Auburn. Obviously, they, they lost a few guys to the portal and, uh, and the transfer offers that they dished out as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's see. What are they at now? Five departures? Six. Six. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. It's somewhere in there. It's five or six. I should know three, this, but three receivers, three D linemen, if I if memory serves. Yes. Steven Sands, Aniche Sledge, Steven Johnson, Amari Kelly, uh, MJJ, and Jair Shorter, who I did not know still had another year of eligibility, to be yeah, honest. When, I, yeah, when we got that news, that was like okay. But uh some some good guys, but guys that weren't really going to make a huge impact for Auburn. Definitely not next year. Um, addition by subtraction, somewhat for Auburn. You know, Nathan, we were talking about it earlier. Auburn has not lost a lot of guys. You know, they didn't lose a lot of guys last year that you know really killed the team, and so far this year they haven't. And seems like they should be in a pretty good situation to not lose maybe more than one or two guys that they do really want to hold on to. So overall it's been beneficial for Auburn to not lose any guys. And, you know, we've seen some offers go out and Jason, we've already seen some guys lock in visits. Um, Jaquan Scott, we talked about that last week on the show, um, the mm-hmm. Southern Miss offensive lineman, he'll be here this weekend. Um, and then, you know, so all these offer guys are putting together their schedule. The Bucknell cornerback said he might visit. Um, and I think he locked in a visit to Minnesota, but he might come down here. Will Shepard, the former Vandy wide receiver, I'm sure we'll go more in depth on him, but you know he said he was trying to work something out as well. So it's uh, madness a little bit and trying to track it all. It is, and and boy, you know, we, you know, we talked about this some, especially last year about this time when um, we really got the first taste of what Portal December was all about. Um, a lot of times you don't know till hours before a guy visits um, if he's coming or not and, and don't know the plans, the situation. Heck, Avery Jones didn't even get a call and didn't get talked to until Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning and was on campus Sunday afternoon, you know, hours before the, the, the window closed for the dead period. So Yeah, they had to get him out of there in like a hurry. happened that quick. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, there, there could be a few – I'm sure there will be a few guys that show up this weekend that – that maybe we don't even have an idea about, uh, you know, it could be, you know, San Jose state offensive tackle. You know, there's a lot of those names that are out there that we'll touch on some, but um, we know kind of where the targets are. Nathan has talked about that. You and Christian have done a great job in kind of following this, the portal and, and doing all this stuff so far, but 
we know kind of where the focus is when you look at Auburn right now. You look at defensive line, you look at offensive tackle, and you look at DB. Those are really the, the focal points. And then, you know, kind of a middle linebacker spot too. If you start looking at it, those are kind of the spots right now that where the, 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 the laser beam is focused right now for Auburn in, in terms of the portal. Yeah, we can run through here if you guys want on the uh, on the transfer offers that have been made. Uh, there's obviously going to be a lot more of these, and every guy that has been offered by Auburn has been offered by a lot of other places. Um, the one, obviously, to know specifically for this weekend is Jerquan Scott, the um, three-year starter at Southern Miss grad transfer. This is a guy they had locked in a while ago because he was obviously uh, in the portal earlier because he was a grad transfer. But we mentioned the San Jose State offensive tackle, Fernando Carmona Jr., um, a guy who really is a lot like Dylan Wade, like uh, like very good group of five numbers, very experienced, um, a tackle. Um, a couple corners yesterday, uh, Will Lee, who was a former Juco guy. The Blanket. Uh, the Blanket, yeah, it's a great Twitter name. Uh, played at Kansas State, had a really good season, um, had, a really good pl- had a really big play when they almost upset Texas, um, Ethan Robinson, we mentioned, is a guy that told us that maybe could visit Auburn. Uh, he's obviously locked in right now with Minnesota. This weekend from Bucknell, lots of production from him um, out there in the Patriot League. Will Shepard, we, we, I'm not going to pull up the comment because I can't find it, but Will Shepard, is that that is a big priority for them right now. Um, they are attempting to get him on campus for a visit, but as Christian made note of on our board, at least for me, from the outside looking in, as we start start to get this get sort of get this going for him, a Louisiana guy. Like if you want to play receiver and you're from Louisiana, like LSU is going to be hard to beat. Um, but if Auburn gets him on campus, which they want to do, then obviously, like we talked about, in the, it, it's different in the transfer portal. When you get a guy on campus and he doesn't commit when he's on campus, usually that's not a great sign. Like they want to bring these guys in, they want to get them um, locked down. I just lost my page for some reason. Uh, uh, here's a here's a note actually on Will Lee that I just figured out recently. Um, he played with Bobby Travis in junior college, oh. so there's a little bit of a connection you have there. There you go. Yeah, and, and you know that'll be the interesting thing with with a guy like Will Shepard, um, with Elijah McAllister having such a positive experience at Auburn and having such a you know profound impact. I mean, you can see like that that guy is. is has been Mr. Auburn since he stepped foot on campus. That could have an impact with a guy like Will Shepard when you start with him or Nick Clifton. Yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah, both those guys. I mean, there's there's defensive line. You're right, Clifton as well. A guy that had five and a half sacks this past year, and, and you know, is a guy that could potentially be that big physical end to allow you to slide Keldrick Falk inside. I mean, they're they're those are two guys that, that Elijah McAllister could have an impact on, where he says, "Look, you're not going to regret it if you go to Auburn. Like it's going to be worth it." And so that could that could shake things up a little bit. Um, Chris Paul, the linebacker from Arkansas, was a guy that Auburn is in on um, very early. It's been reported uh, elsewhere that he's visiting next week, and that's not something that we have gotten locked down just yet. But uh, you know, I wouldn't discount their reporting. So it seems like Auburn is in a good spot to at least kick the tires pretty heavily on him. That's something you had mentioned, Christian. Linebacker maybe a position where Auburn might go a little heavier than people think, um, just because Larry Nixon is on his way out. Wouldn't be surprised if one of those other rotational guys is also gone um, here in the near future. Robert Lewis is a uh, receiver from Georgia State. Receiver's probably going to be the biggest position for them on offense that they're looking at. Um, 877 yards and seven touchdowns last year. Um, Derek Harmon, the defensive lineman out of Michigan State, as we continue to go down this list uh pff loves this guy really good numbers um pretty much you know it's like it's like they got last year lawrence johnson and messiah nasili kite like power five starter with decent numbers um those guys sort of had you know depth impact maybe you're hoping for a little bit more out of a guy like him you mentioned nate clifton um who actually already has a relationship with jeremy garrett uh because jeremy garrett was there as a support staffer at vanderbilt clifton is a defensive end like jason mentioned with a year left we go down the list, some offensive linemen, Alan Heron from Shorter University, um, guy who started there at right tackle, a couple years of eligibility left. Easton Kitley from North Dakota, guy who has a bunch of starts at left tackle. And then we also mentioned um, Jerquan Scott to round things out here. So, Jason, we talked about this um, this morning, you and I did, about 
we'll kind of go through the the offensive positions here a little bit, but receiver and offensive line are definitely ones that they're looking to to beef up a little bit. And at wide receiver in particular, like last year, the evaluations weren't bad. Like you look at the numbers from the guys they brought in, like they were really good group of five players. If you're Auburn, you're really hoping that that you can get more production out of whoever you bring in because they're going to have such talented freshmen, Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson, and we'll get to Ryan Williams, see all the Ryan Williams comments. Maybe Ryan Williams, but you got to bridge the gap because they're just going to be freshmen. You can't count on them to be, you know, all SEC right away. I I think the one thing we learned this season um, is that no matter what position it is, now Auburn didn't have any choice last year. They had to bring in a bunch of guys in the summer to to continue to fill gaps, see those things. I think you look at it, and and based on what we've seen, it is almost imperative to have those guys in in, in January and go through spring practice. I mean, we saw that. With Peyton Thorne, it took a while to kind of get his footing, and that's a guy that started three seasons in the Big Ten. But it, it, you know, I don't think even Rivaldo Fairweather, who went through spring, it, it took a long, it took a while for him to kind of get his feet again, and and you could still see him kind of spinning his wheels at times, as talented as he was. But I don't think we ever saw Shane Hook and Jair Shorter kind of find what this was like to play in the Southeastern Conference, and that's why I think it's imperative to have those guys in in the spring um, and to get going they'll have a much better opportunity now to, to do that because they've got an earlier start on it. And and they're not kind of, you know, they've got this class in place pretty much. Now they're focusing on getting some guys and obviously Ryan Williams and some of these other guys we'll talk about, but you're now able to, okay, last year they're going portal, Keldrick Falk, portal, Connor Lou, portal, K and Lee. I mean, like it was all over the place this year at, you feel like they got a little bit better grasp on things because of the timeline. Yeah, Jason, I was talking to um, Ferg actually about that earlier. It's like they've got all their ducks in a row to the point where focusing on home runs in the 2024 class and a couple, you know, kind of stop gaps, like a favor Edwin along the offensive line and stuff like that. And then a lot of it right now is just portal. And honestly, 2025, like they've got some guys lined up there that they could get here in the near future as well. Yeah, no, it's, it, it feels much different. I mean, it's still hectic because you look at the portal and you go a thousand guys go in on day one and it's just insanity. But, but, you know, you look at it and go, it's not, we need 25 guys out of the portal. This is, we need a few guys at certain spots to fill. And and you go, could it be seven to 10? Yeah. It could potentially be seven to 10 guys if you fill the right spots, but it feels much more calculated than last year, which was, come one, come all. It felt like opening the, the tent up at a circus going, hey, we need everybody we can get. Just come on inside. And, and um, that is not what it feels like right now. Yeah, specifically on the offensive line, Jason, you, I think I think you're sort of seeing seeing it pay off what they did last year. When they got Dylan Senda, that was 10 newcomers yes. on the O-line. So now you're in a position where you're not you know, you know who's out of eligibility. You like guys like Muskrat and 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 uh, Tyler Johnson. Yep. And Senda, you like those guys moving forward. You have three starters coming back if you count Connor Lou. You're not panicking in a position where you have to fill depth. Have to f- have to fill depth. It's like get a couple grad transfer guys on the O line. Get a couple guys who could contend for starting jobs, and then see where it goes from there. You you don't need a guy like a Dylan Wade. You don't need a guy like a Gunnar Britton this time around. It was it was the one spot where we were kind of wondering how is this thing going to work last year at this time, and you look up twelve months later, and the offensive line is in a better position than it's been in since two thousand seventeen. I mean, it's just really remarkable to think about the the job that's been done on that offensive line. And yeah, now you can you go find an elite tackle to come in to move Dylan Wade inside the guard to that natural position. I think that's that's kind of job number one still looking for depth you know you got him i mean excuse me you got jeremiah right back who has starting experience and a guy that you can plug in to potentially you know that kind of gives you three and a half starters back when you start thinking about him and coming back muskrat's a guy that can play multiple spots you know, send to this the bowl practice of spring will be big for him because he basically just kind of got thrown into it and had no chance to survive you know after that making that late move from northwestern but guy that they they feel like is talented and so you, you look at it and, and you go, hey, you always want to shoot for eight or nine guys. You feel like you've got 
a lot of us a head start to that right now, which is pretty remarkable to see. So, um, yeah, I think they find that if they found a, an elite offensive tackle that they felt like, boom, this guy's going to come in in January and be our guy in the spring, then all of a sudden this is an offensive line that that has a really, really different look uh, based on what we saw, especially at the end of this, this regular season. Yeah, I mean, if you got a guy who you could put at left tackle, you know, they love Tutal Miller over there at right tackle. If you got an elite left tackle, Dylan Wade fills the spot of Gunnar Britton. And, you know, Gunnar Britton was – he was voted All-SEC. He was really fantastic for this Auburn team for what you got in a one-year guy. But, you know, we think Dylan Wade could be even better there at the guard position. Another experienced year of Connor Liu there at center. Jeremiah Wright, maybe there at right guard. You would have – you would have a – potential to be a really really solid offensive line at least on paper uh we can start getting some questions here if you guys want uh position the highest priority in the transfer portal receiver defensive line maybe line receiver i think i think defensive line is probably number one um but it i i mean you know i think i think there's i think there's really three spots i think i think it's defensive line well there is there's really four but but i think if you go hey Number one priority, Jalen McLeod coming back. I think that's going to happen. I think that's that's pretty sure. You, okay, you feel a little better about the edge. I think if you could find a sure enough interior manhandling defensive tackle, those are hard to find, that would probably be number one on the wish list, depending on what Marcus Harris does. Um, yeah. Marcus, Marcus Harris comes back. Then all of a sudden you feel a whole lot better about that defensive front, um, you know. But you still like to have another one of those guys for sure. I, I, I would, I'd probably lean there. I was gonna say, Jason, like you and I were talking today, that they've got a blueprint on both sides of the ball. They know how much, you know, how many guys they want right now. And 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 again, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, they have done a great job of damage control. Like these couple, really, since I mean, I might be missing somebody, but since like Bo Nix and Kobe Hudson left. They have not had a bunch of highly, highly productive guys transfer out. I'm not. I'm not predicting anything. I'm just saying, like the odds of that continuing, maybe not even this year, but next year. Like guys leave sometimes, and sometimes really good players leave. And so I'm just saying, you know, the caveat to all this transfer stuff. You know, we're we're five percent of the way through the winter window now. I'll only going into day three. All of this could change with one. Instagram post tomorrow about a yeah. guy going to the draft who we didn't think well, was that's, it, that's where it is for me for this group it's more NFL than it is transfer yeah like Rivaldo and Marcus Harris yeah I think Rivaldo Marcus Harris Keontae Scott um Jalen Simpson you know I think he's probably gone I you know he's he's an older guy but you start thinking about Rivaldo Keontae Scott Dylan Wade Marcus Harris Dylan Wade any of those guys say you know what I'm going to take a shot then it starts to yeah, then it's a bigger blow. And you're right, right. But I, yeah, I'm I don't feel like it doesn't feel like from a transfer portal feel right now that that's gonna be the case because it sure feels like from an NIL standpoint, on the victory standpoint, you start to see guys going, Okay, look, I'm in a pretty good spot here. I don't have to go anywhere else to look for it. And I think that's a huge thing for Auburn moving forward. Uh Christian, do you want to hit this one so we can? This is a this is a big catch-all. I'm sorry for y'all for for waiting this long for recruiting questions. We wanted to get through. We'll start diving into questions now. Christian, uh, Ryan Williams and KJ Bolden, the, the 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 stars of the hour. Take it away. Yeah, we'll start with uh, Ryan Williams, Jason. This is someone that we're going to go and see on Friday night, um, playing Super Seven, going up against Clay Chalkville as Sarah Land looks for its second straight six A title, um, and you know we're. Uh, Th- things picked up, I guess you could say, at least in terms of fan interest. You know, there was obviously a ton of fan interest with him, but then as soon as Cam Coleman flipped, um, all of all of Auburn's guys, you know, Perry Thompson's tweeting four out of five, you know, insinuating that Perry, Cam, Bryce, and Malcolm were committed, that Ryan was the lone one remaining, and then you know, shortly after that actually happened, um, Ryan put out a tweet saying, you know, announcement coming soon or countdown, you know, whatever it was. Um, which is set for this Sunday, I believe. And, you know, Jason, all from everything that we've gathered, it seems like that'll be him actually announcing his reclassification from the 2025 class to 2024. Um, and, you know, that's something we've mentioned on this show quite a bit. 
And then from there, it's it's game on. You know, he said he plans to sign in February. Um, and so Auburn will try and get him on campus as much as possible in the month of January. Obviously, an official visit would be on the table. And then as many times as they could get him up on campus for an unofficial visit as well. Um, I'm not sure how coaching visits work in January. I don't know if that's open or not. I'm not sure about in-home visits, stuff like that. But, you know, from that point on, it becomes becomes the Ryan Williams show. Um, there's a couple other February guys, but obviously, assuming he does reclassify like we expect him to on Sunday, um, then it's it's game on. And it's already been game on, to be honest. Yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be, you know, it'll be like a normal, like it used to be the normal visit window where, where you'll have a head coach at, in-home visit you'll have coach visits you'll have a school visit i mean it'll, it'll pretty much work the same way because he would not have had any of those things if he if he you know if he were to classify and say i'm signing in february then he he crunches what has been this month of december he does that in a couple of weeks in january and then would, would then sign in early february so um theoretically anyway um so yeah if if we if it happens as we expect then it's going to be wild to say the least uh, to see all the people that come after Ryan Williams in January. Yeah. I mean, you just noted there's going to be other teams, but I think this will really come down to the two in-state teams, obviously committed to Alabama, um, Auburn legacy and Auburn has been pushing very hard. Auburn has been trying to make up for the hole that the previous staff dug them in this recruitment. Um, and to their credit, Marcus Davis and Hugh Freeze have done that. They've got them on campus quite a bit. He really likes Auburn. He really likes Alabama. Um, you know, the, what I've been kind of saying on the board is 50, 50, maybe leaning one way, one day, leaning one way, the other day, you know, it's kind of back and forth like that a little bit. Um, stars want to play with stars. There you go. That's, that's the other thing. Um, obviously Alabama has some dudes and they're bringing in some dudes in that 2024 class. You know, we've seen one in Isaiah bond, um, but Auburn is bringing in a lot of dudes in its 2024 class at receiver. And that's, that's something that's very, I think intriguing for Auburn um, when Ryan looks at them. It is. It, it's count. It's sometimes counterintuitive to think about it that way. You, you think about, hey, I want to. I want to be the guy. I want to come in because I want to be guaranteed that I'm the guy. And you look at it. Competitors want to compete, but they also want to win. And they want. And and we've seen it with this wide receiver group, especially. But we've also seen it at linebacker. We've seen it with Marcus Riddick, you know, DJ. Um, Joe Phillips, Emmanuel Waller coming in. We've seen it where these guys go, look, I know there's going to be competition, but I want to go play with those guys. It is happening with this wide receiver group. And Christian, well, I think we've both felt the same way. If you'd ask us in February, what was the best, best opportunity for Auburn and Ryan Williams, it would have been, hey, waiting to 2025. I think we both changed our mind now because yes. of – because of the relationship with Cam Coleman and Perry and Bryce Kane, all those guys that Ryan Williams has, I think that's become a really important thing for Auburn. Yeah, well, and the thing is, Jason, you know, from that Mobile area, he's very close with Perry. Um, and you know, one of the things that I mentioned to you, this I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know if this will happen. You know, Perry's team is not in Super Seven. It would not shock me if Perry drove up um, for those Super Seven games. Um, specifically the Sarah land game on Friday night. We've already seen Perry drive all the way over to Texas A&M just to he go drove, and watch. He drove to college station. He sure did. Yeah. Just to watch Auburn play. Um, and I would not be surprised if not only to recruit Ryan, but just as a friend go and show support as well, which it means something. So that's kind of the latest on Ryan. Um, and you can make sure to stay locked in at AuburnUndercover.com. You know, we'll have updates on Ryan Williams a little bit more on Friday um, as super seven goes on. The other one was KJ Bolden. Um, wish Dukes was here. He's out in California taking care of some business. Um, but KJ Bolden popped back up on campus on Monday, which was interesting. You know, we thought that it was a possibility Auburn could get him back on campus one more time um, before signing day. You know, Jason, this is someone that Dukes mentioned in his Duke scoops um, last Tuesday, I think it was, and said, you know, he couldn't, he didn't make it to the Iron Bowl because he was so upset that his team lost on Friday night. Um, and so this was kind of, making up for that visit in a sense, but spending time with the coaches and all indications are that it went really, really well. I mentioned on the board yesterday um, that I think he'll be back again before signing day as well. So that'll be something to, to really track. Um, Steve Wiltfon had a story talking with KJ's parents um, after the visit. So I would highly encourage you to go over to AuburnUndercover.com and check that out. And it was also noted that Hugh Freeze has an in-home visit 
um, with KJ and his family on Wednesday, I believe it is. Um, and that was something that you know, the very first time we talked to Hugh Freeze when he got to Auburn, one of the first things he mentioned is he feels like he's really good this time of year. He feels like right. he's really good in the living room. He feels like he can win those in-home visits. Um, and so he'll be going in home on Wednesday. And Jason, this would be a guy that you know Cam Coleman bumped Auburn's class from like 17 to 11. If you were to flip KJ Bolden, you which I, I still think Florida State's in a good spot, but you would go from like 11 to like six. Yeah, like six or five. I mean, it, it would be that much of an impact. My lasting memory, and, and who knows? Who knows? how it how this thing winds up happening my lasting memory is is big cat weekend and we're kind of just hanging around and 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 perry thompson is is going live from a pool somewhere on auburn's campus and kj bolden was meeting with coaches or doing something and i think he was meeting with freeze yeah yeah and and he comes running past us going my boy's getting ready to flip and that's my lasting memory of kj bolden does it mean anything here? Maybe not, but we know that Auburn is in the picture and that's what they've done. They've given themselves an opportunity and we talked about it with the wide receivers. The, these kids have kind of formed a bond and they've, they've talked going back and forth. Walker White tweets at every guy that, that, you know, looks at Auburn Walker White's in his, in his mentions can say, let's go. So those things have an impact. Um, yeah. It would be to be massive to say the least, if you were to get one of those guys on defense. Yeah, Jason, the best way I could put it is as of Tuesday, December 5th, if signing day were today, I still think he would sign with Florida State. But signing day is not today, and Auburn still has a chance to go in home, obviously. Auburn still has a chance to get him on campus. Florida State has a chance to retaliate as well. Um, Florida State is supposed to get him in for an official visit that that last weekend before signing day. Um, So they'll have a chance to really seal the deal before that Wednesday, December 20th. So it'll be an interesting battle. If you asked me six weeks ago, if we would be tracking KJ Bolden this closely right now, probably would have said, no, we would have still been tracking him. I don't know if we would have been tracking him this closely. Um, and I think that's, you know, Nathan, this is something I just thought about a little bit. You know, we've seen Auburn offer some cornerbacks. They're going to lose some safeties um, to the draft as well, but they haven't really offered any safeties in the portal. Um, and I think Auburn really, really likes the potential of KJ Bolden filling in that Jalen Simpson spot. And they've got some guys that can take over for uh, Zion Puckett, Laquan Robinson, the Juco safety, Terrence Love um, as well. So they've got some options there. But KJ Bolden has a chance to really come in and compete for playing time and starting time probably right away as a safety, um, that free safety spot. Yeah, I mean, that was what was the first position that Freeze mentioned when he talked about bowl practices um, was the defensive base. Yep. So uh, kind of looking forward and anticipating that, hey, a lot of these guys are going to be gone because we already know the two corners are going to be gone. Um, if I had to guess right now, I would say both the safeties are gone because I think I think Jalen Simpson's like a mid-round guy. Yeah. If not a little high. I mean, he had a spectacular season. Um, he's, he's first team all SEC by the uh, by the AP. And so that leaves the Keontae Scott question. We know that he's somebody Jason mentioned at IL. We saw that play a big role with DJ and Nehemiah last year. We know somebody like Keontae, Marcus Harris, Rivaldo, Dylan Wade, like those guys are going to be, and Jarquez Hunter, even those guys are going to be priorities in that regard. So, yeah, I'm excited for bowl practices even, just as kind of an aside for some of these guys. You know, we've The, the guys who have entered the portal so far are mostly depth pieces, but – you will see those increased practice opportunities for, for those guys. And obviously freeze wants to get them more involved. Obviously you've got the, the early enrollees that are going to have an opportunity to be there at bowl practice, but yeah, I'll be same, same here, Christian. I'll be interested to see what they do about the safety position in the portal. I, I would expect them to go for a few. Um, somebody said earlier, you know, do, do you think we don't, I think I could comments talking about offering safeties because of KJ Bolden. I don't know how much you, I don't know if you necessarily play that game with a true freshman. Um, so I, I wouldn't read too much into especially, that. Like, especially if it's a one-year guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, but yeah, I, I don't you know, like we saw a little bit of T-Love, Sylvester Smith. There's some guys back there. Um, you know, what happens with a guy like Marquis Gilbert? I mean, there, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's some guys floating around. So there's all kind of stuff that's, you know, kind of wait and see to see what that bowl practice is going to look like, like you said, because there, there's still some numbers back there, but, just not very much experience if you if you sit those older guys out. 
Uh, just question here about why is Auburn offering small school guys? We need elite players. Um, because the elite players, there's only like a few of them in the transfer portal and everybody's going to be after them. And so Auburn mm-hmm. can get those guys sometimes, but most of the time, I think now, I think now at this point we can all sort of see what the transfer layout looks like. Most of the time, I would say the majority of the entries, at least on average, are going to be power five guys that play a little bit, but aren't superstars. And if they are superstars, it's going to cost you a ton of money to get them on your campus. But that's, that's another the thing. thing. That's Someone we haven't even talked about. It's like you can't just go get Jason. We talked about this this morning. You can't go get a starter from Alabama. You can't go get you know the Notre Dame starting quarterback like like they you know like last year. You can't go get guys like that unless you're willing to pony up an NIL, and that money isn't unlimited. Yeah, I mean you got you've got money and, and you got a pretty good bit of it, but you've also got several holes that need to be filled, and you, you start going okay. You're right. I mean, hey, you, you throw a couple of million dollars at two players, and all of a sudden you go, okay, then you, where, do you, where do you do it? Here's the other part of it, too, that people have to remember, too. Now you've had a year to understand, okay, what do we need? And it's more than just how what's that guy look like in terms of talent. This is also a, a major part of this is also what do we feel like that guy's going to do fitting in, in what we've established, what we've built in terms of culture by talking to hey, former coaches, by talking to a few teammates, you might've recruited this guy in the past. You go, I know that guy's really talented, but but that's not the kind of guy that we want to bring in. All those things factor in. And um, most of the guys that, that are these small steel guys are doing this for a reason because pro scouts and others are going, hey, this guy's the guy we're watching. You move to this league and it, it's going to help you develop. Um, so, I mean, Dylan Wade ended up being pretty good from a small school. Gunnar Britton ended up being pretty good from a small school. There's been some some pretty good guys that come from smaller schools and ended up playing really well. Um, just didn't work out really. Really, wide receiver spot was the one that that this this kind of fell flat a little bit for him this year. Well, Jason, this uh, we hit that question right after this. I was just going to mention you. Know, this brings me to the quarterback debate as well. It, you know, for Auburn, everyone's saying go get a quarterback. Would you rather keep Peyton Thorne and put some actual pieces around him? Would you rather have that NIL money towards Ryan Williams, Will Shepard, Robert Lewis, some of these other guys, a tackle to move Dylan Wade inside, build the defensive line a little bit, or would you rather go get a good quarterback but not have guys around him? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it, yeah it, it, you're right. I mean, you know, you start going like, are you going to try to be the Dallas Cowboys and give $50 million? Um, yeah, you know the the question here: Do we get a transfer quarterback? Yeah, like, let's, let's do the transfer that, quarterback thing. Now. That it's what we talked about. I mean, from day one, you know, right after the season, we talked to to people around the program. They're like, "Well, look, we feel like we can we can win with 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 Peyton Thorn if we get the right pieces around him." And I, I again, I'll go back to the argument I had for three seasons with Bo Nix. All a lot of fans said was, "Need to get a better quarterback. Need to get a better quarterback. Need to get a better quarterback." that better quarterback is going to the Eisen Trophy ceremony this weekend. He's pretty darn good. Had better players around him, better skill guys, better offensive line. Is Peyton Thorne Bo Nix? No, I don't think Peyton Thorne's Bo Nix, but I think he's good enough to win if you're better around him, and I think that's where the focus has been for them. Now, I think we've all three said, too, does that guarantee they won't get a transfer quarterback? No, um, but I don't think it's the priority for them at the moment. But if the right guy pops up, who knows? Um, but but it sure feels like it's more, hey, let's get better everywhere else right now and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, this is a great comment from James. Yeah. Um, we saw what Peyton looked like with Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman. You give him Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, Bryce Kane, Malcolm Simmons. Let's say you go get Will Shepard and you go get another transfer wide receiver, maybe second Robert year, Lewis. Second year of an offense. Second and- year of an offense. Build that O-line up again. And guess what? That running game that you leaned on that was really, really good will only be better with other pieces around it as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, you look at, at the quarterbacks, and again, the quarterbacks that we've we've just talked about, whether it be Bo Nix or Michael Penix or um the guy that I think is gonna win the Heisen trophy uh from, from LSU and whoever it is, all those guys were guys that were second year in a system that had played a year in a system and um and quite honestly, Peyton Thorne played 
half a year in a system because most of the, the, the season we saw this year was not the system that Peyton Thorne ran week one, week two, and week eight through 12. That, that middle stretch was not the system. And so now you have a year to, to build on that and, and try to improve everywhere else. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. So here, so here are some of the. This is this is one thing about Thorn and the quarterback argument, and we we, we had to get to this at some point because I know it's what people want to talk about. Um, it, first of all, you're so unsure of things of how transfers will will pan out immediately. It's such a. It, it's just I, I hesitate to say crapshoot because you can you can do some projection, but a lot of the times you just never know. Um, and some guys could flourish immediately, or like Jason said, some guys could take their biggest steps in a year or two and not to paint it with a, with a glowing orange and blue, orange and blue brush. But that point about what did Thorne do when he had a good O-line, when he had a good running back and he had good receivers at Michigan state in 2021, he was pretty darn good. And they won 11 games. Now, most quarterbacks are going to be pretty good if they have a couple NFL receivers. That's the to. That's the point, right? That's the point. You, like, it's it's very difficult, and I, and I think I think that goes a lot of to what Jason was saying about we saw kind of what this offense could be capable of this season. Now, does do there need to be improvements across the board? Absolutely. Hugh Freeze will lay blame at every single possible area, including himself, including the play calling, including how the offense was structured, the receivers, Peyton Thorne himself, the offensive line. It's all over the place, but you can't put it on just quarterback. But one thing that I keep coming back to is. I don't think there are many, and like Jason said, they don't want to get in a bidding war right now for a quarterback. Just to put it plainly, they already paid a lot for Peyton Thorne last year. You look at the quarterbacks that are in the portal right now, the, the top guys, which one of these guys stands out? And you stop me when I say one, guys. Which one of these guys stands out and you are like, wow, he would be way better than Peyton Thorne? Talking about what they've proven. Aiden Childs from Oregon State, Dante Moore from UCLA, Cam Ward from Washington State, Will Howard from Kansas State, Riley Leonard, Brock Vandegrift, uh, Dylan yeah, Dylan Gabriel is hard to argue against, but he's going to Oregon. Here, yeah, here's the thing. You know, Cam Ward might be one of my favorite names in the portal, but you're probably going up against Ohio State or Florida sure. State or you know maybe Oregon. You know, Dylan Gabriel might be Oregon as well. You're going up against some really big teams in terms of NIL and what they can offer. And if you're Auburn you don't necessarily have that same luxury of having a full roster around them. It just goes back to the same thing I just said. You know, would you rather have the elite quarterback with okay receivers or would you rather have a solid quarterback with really elite receivers? Right. Personally, I, I would rather have the second. Well, I, I go back to – I mean, and it's, it's, it's a different game in the NFL, but you look at the NFL and there's a reason why teams draft really high <clears throat> because their roster is not very good there's a reason why number one quarterbacks that are drafted first overall are usually guys that aren't very good for quite a while in the NFL because they don't have the guys around them. And it's over and over and over again. And I mean, Brock Purdy's, he may win the NFL MVP and he was the last pick in the NFL draft. Does anybody think that's the most talented quarterback in the league? 
Nope. They got better players around him. And you know what he goes? Okay, I got better players. I can distribute the ball. I can do these things. It works the same way in, in college football. Um, you know, no matter where it is, you look and you go, hey, who's got some really good pieces around a quarterback to allow those guys? Very rarely do you have a Cam Newton where you don't have many of those guys around them and they'd still will it to to go win. I mean, you look at Joe Burrow and you go, and Joe Burrow, was, he was okay that first year. Second year, he was really good. Just fit him in the right system. You got three NFL receivers around him. All of a sudden, things go, hey, that looks pretty good. Yeah, they're really talented offense. That usually makes that happen. That's the goal right now is try to get better everywhere. Yeah, if you're throwing to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson in college, you're probably going to be pretty successful. Yeah, that comment popped up as soon as you said that, Jason. <laughs> like, yeah, Joe Burrow had some Joe Burrow had some dudes, but it was in that second year that he did. He he, he was he wasn't nearly as good. Um in that first season, there was a comment I wanted to get to here. Uh, I actually like this comment. No, okay. Oh, do little. <laughs> uh, Corey asked if someone like Vandergriff would make sense from an NIL perspective. That's a, that was a name that was really popular when he went in. Jason, you and I were talking about this today. You already, it, it, it's tough. Like I don't, it's not a terrible idea. If it's twelve months ago, correct. You might already have two young talented quarterbacks. Yeah, you're all in if it's a year ago at this point. The, the question you have now is part of this too is what do you want to be? If, if you go in and go, hey, we're going to go get another transfer quarterback to compete, and you lose your young quarterbacks, then you become, and, and, hey, it's it's worked some, but USC or whoever, where you go, well, every year we're just going to go get a transfer quarterback. I understand that in theory, but it's hard to make that work and go win elite championship. I mean, look at, I mean. We'll go to USC. Perfect example. Kayla Williams, fantastic. Really good players. They have anybody on defense. They still recruit guys on defense, and they're not really talented on that side of the ball. You got to have people everywhere, and you got to have guys surrounding your quarterback. They did. They still lost how many games? Five? Four or five games? Um, yeah, I think they went seven and five. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to have those pieces in place. And, um, yeah, you know, Brock Vandergriff's a guy that's really talented, but here's the thing. Do we know much more about him than we do Holden Gurner? I mean, he's he's a couple of years older, but nope. he hasn't taken many more snaps um, and no no significant snaps. Really talented, really physical, but it's still an unknown. Christian, what were you going to go to? Sorry. No, you can keep going. I was looking at something real quick. You're good. Yeah, I mean, it's – I and I don't think Freeze wants to be that in the quarterback room, Jason. I don't think he wants to you had to with Peyton Thorne. Yeah, but Brock you already is, had a tra- you already had a transfer room. You already had Robbie Ashford and and TJ Finley. And that's another thing too is again, just like every other just like every other position on the roster, you never know. Um, you know, people have speculated a lot about Robbie Ashford's future, but he is a guy that probably needs to graduate first we'll see or he won't leave i mean there's there's no assuming anything yeah um, but all it's, that changes when him or holden garner if him and or holden garner decide to make a decision yeah i think i think definitely changes i think it definitely changes if holden were to go in yeah for sure i i think robbie's a guy that it feels like that based on what we saw at the end of the year especially it feels like hey slide to another position or maybe time to, to go. If you want to play quarterback, that might have to be somewhere else. That, that's kind of what it feels like right now. Um, you know, bowl practice, we'll see how that thing, you know, Robbie Ashford was still getting a lot of reps late in the season. We'll see if that were to change towards bowl practice, especially as much as we've heard about holding the last three or four weeks of the regular season and things he did. Um, but I do believe that he would have to graduate or he would have to go down a division because he's already been in, you know, been in the portal. He's already transferred once. I think he would have to graduate to go somewhere else. Uh, Red Workinard asks, are we pushing for the Duke quarterback, Riley Leonard? seems like he's all Notre Dame. Um, yeah, I, I think that's one that, you know, I watched him in high school. I watched him at two separate Auburn basketball camps. He has connections to Auburn. Um but he also has connections to Notre Dame. I think there's some some family grandfather that went to Notre Dame. I, I really think this one is not as much about money as it is, you know, hey, maybe you feel like they're, Notre Dame's in a position right now in one year to go make a run 
maybe a little bit more than Auburn is where you're you're still going, hey, if everything falls into place, you could be a nine or ten win team. But you feel like Notre Dame's in a position where, hey, you might be a little closer. Um, I think that's one though that he said, hey, I want to come. Then you, you would say, come on. But it's going to be a one-year guy. And then that's where you then would fall into that trap of, of immediately having to go get probably at least one transfer quarterback next year, maybe two, because you would have nobody with any experience on the roster. Uh, the question is, <clears throat> Tyler Fromm coming back. Jason, you had the story. In the interview with Luke Deal is back for a sixth year. Tyler Fromm could come back. Um, as far as we're sort of aware right now, they would like to keep that tight end room pretty intact for next season. Yeah, I, I think, Christian, we've, we've talked about it. I think they would like to have all those guys back if they could and, and run with them another year. Not a great year in terms of tight ends for them right now. They feel really good, already have a, a, a tight end commitment in 2025. Um, so I haven't heard anything on on Tyler Fromm and the other guys yet. All we know is, is Luke Deal. Um, I feel like a guy like Brandon Frazier, I think he's a guy that could probably be back for another year. Kind of had his first real, really his breakout performances yeah. this season. Um, and the things he did. So, um, yeah, I would imagine we'll start to get more of, you know, we've talked about guy. We'll probably start to get more of those kind of types of announcements and guys saying, hey, I'm running it back probably here in the next four or five days with graduation coming up Saturday. Yeah. And and it, I think the tight end room is really interesting. Me and Christian were talking about this the other day. I mean, I, they like Mike O'Reilly a lot. He's a guy who plays, I think he plays more than people realize. Like he's in, he was in on a lot of snaps this year. I think if you if you can convince him to stick around, you've got a situation where you're like, look, it's going to be Rivaldo again. You know, they they hope as your main pass catcher. Then you've got all those other experienced blockers. You can sort of pitch to Mike O'Reilly and say, all those guys are going to be gone. <laughs> like in 2025, you will be the only returning guy. You're you're built similarly to Fairweather. You're really athletic. Let's get you involved in the passing game. You'll be super experienced in the offense. And so yeah, like like we were just talking about, that's a room they want to keep altogether um sean asks do you think we lose any running backs to the portal that's another room that's a that's a lot like the tight end where it's like if they kept everything the same from the number three rushing offense in the sec they'd feel pretty solid i am interested christian in in it's hard to keep everyone happy in a in a in a big room like running in a deep room like running back um but they like the roles these guys have Right now, they would love to run it back with Hunter Alston as a one-two punch. Jeremiah Cobb continuing to rise. Maybe I mean, he's a guy who could become a superstar any day, really. Um, Brian Batie, uh, uh, odd man out is like the wrong word and is way too derogatory. Um, but his usage did kind of fade. Uh, maybe he didn't get used as much as he thought, as they thought down the stretch this season. But you still love to have a veteran guy like that. So honestly, without a running back committed in the class right now, I think they'd be perfectly fine with with having that same group for next year. I think they would be upset if they lost one of the four. I think they would really like everybody to come back. You know, Brian Batie, like you said, would maybe be the one, but he's already transferred. He'd have to be a graduate transfer if he were to leave. You could you could maybe point to like Demari Alston wanting to get carries now that he'll be going into his third year. But that dude loves him some Auburn. There's an I would be absolutely stunned if Demari Austin left. And, and they don't know, have Longhorn everywhere. All right, I'm just saying. That's that's true. <laughs> but the other thing is, too, Jarquez is here for one more year, and then you you would give the reins over to Demari, and I think Batie would maybe be gone after that year as well. So then you would say, Demari and Jeremiah, it's your room next year. How about it? Bring in Alvin Henderson and maybe another guy in the 25 class as well, and then you're back to four in a good spot. So if they lost one, they would be upset about it. Let's keep rolling through some comments here to close to close things out. Um, off subject, you guys know about Demario Tolan's status of the team. I do not, but that's actually an interesting question um, that might be worth sort of looking into down the line here. Uh, Corey asks if any potential names not participating in the bowl game. Not yet. We know of one who is because Jalen Simpson said on Instagram that he's going to play in the bowl game. Speaking of guys who love them some Auburn, um, that is definitely one of the, not to say that if you don't play in the bowl game, you don't like your, right. you don't like your team. That is not, that is not that at all. Um, so we'll see. It, it'll be a, it'll be a hodgepodge like it is every year. There'll be different guys in different spots. We haven't seen. Yeah. I would say, you know, just spitballing. I would say guys like DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett would be the guys that I would yeah. lean towards. They haven't said anything. 
Um, Jalen said it when all throughout the season, hey, I want to play in a bowl game. I want to play in a bowl game. Yeah. Or they want to win a bowl game. That 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 is that's part of it too. So um, you know, there, there's honestly not a bunch of those guys that you look at going, you know, hey, I'm gonna be a really high round draft choice, like like especially like DJ probably will be. He'll be a, he'll probably be the highest graded guy, I think, from this roster this year. Most of the other guys you go, hey, I can help myself. I go play in a bowl game. I go play well and do those things. And so it gives them a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of fire to go out there and, and, and play one more game. I will say, to something to remember. Somebody brought this up to me today. Um, Tank Bigsby opted out of their bowl game in Birmingham and then came back. So right. don't – if somebody opts out or, or there's some sort of, like, murky situation um, – and, and granted, his was a little. I mean, we we thought he might be gone for a little bit, but don't take it as don't take it as gospel. Somebody opting out of a bowl game that they're just completely out of it. They might be you know mulling over a draft decision because the deadline is January fifteenth. May, may have been dealing with an injury and yeah, Michael Riley. I don't want to go play and not be full speed. You know that kind of thing. So there, there could be some of that stuff too. But then you know, you, you're going to be around and going to be. So we'll we'll have an idea. Pretty, pretty yeah. Soon. Yeah, like you'll be with the team and stuff. Yeah. Um, we just talked about this. Could Jarko West Hunter go to the draft by chance, or is he staying? I think he would get drafted. I'm pretty late round guy. I think he would be drafted, but I think they're going to make a good pitch to him with NIL, with looking to next season of like, dude, we could have gotten you to a thousand yards if I think he knows it was on him at the beginning of the year. You know that the reason why he kind of had a little bit of a of a step back and miss some practice time and all that stuff. And he admitted that it took him some time to get churning at the beginning of the season. He was, cl- he, he was on pace for a thousand yards though. And so they'll, they'll kind of pitch to him to be able to do that again. He is a guy who could, he's a guy who could leave for the draft theoretically. Um, but he's on that short list of guys that they're really going to be wanting to get yeah. back. The, um, the interesting thing about Jarquez where is that he has, basically the um, amount of carries that like Herschel Walker did in one season and he's played three three years. He has 300 some odd carries. I'm, I'll have to go back and look. I'm pretty positive that Jarquez Hunter has still not carried the ball 20 times in the game in his career. So he has not been overloaded and that's right. That's what NFL teams are worried about. I think Jarquez, you look at, at what he does on special teams, but then, the way he finished the season, if you come back and have that kind of production and you don't have to, you don't have to rush for 2000 yards, but I think NFL teams go, that guy's still a value because he hasn't been used like a lot of other running backs have. Uh, Christian, that question you just had. Yes. I'll pull it back up. There uh, yeah. Shepard, Dion, yeah. Dion Burks is a guy. Sorry, Christian. No, go ahead. Uh, Dion Burks is a guy that we haven't mentioned from Purdue. That is, that is up there with any good quarterback of like this dude's going to get looks from everywhere. Like I saw LSU and Texas are trying, I mean that, so that's going to be honestly, I feel like maybe it's, it's a little bit of like the van. Is it the Vandy recency bias? Like with like Tyron Lawrence and like Elijah McAllister, but I just feel like they have a good chance to get him on campus. Um, I think it was a really big push from them. From day one, it seems like Auburn players have a good bit of familiarity um, with him. Like we talked about before, though, it's I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to keep away. I mean, we saw it in person in in Nashville, Jason. DJ James had played a great game against him, but there were still a couple catches where you just throw your hands up and you're like, yeah, dude, like only NFL receivers can make that kind of play. Um, I would think they're going to give him a really good. We'll, we'll see here in oh, the next yeah. weeks. Where they're going to give him a run for his money though, and make him. Uh, I think him the fact that you played against him, the fact that he played in this league, and he understands the Southeastern Conference, is such a huge leg up after what you just went through. Um, I think that's a massive part of this equation. Is that they had to, they had a game plan against the kid, and he's played in this league, and he played he played Georgia, and you know, he played. You know, Missouri, he played all these teams and he produced. That's the kind of guy that you say, hey, I want this guy to come in. And you, you said it, I've been kind of saying it, we've been bridged the gap. That That's the kind of the term you're looking at for a guy like this going, hey, we want you to be our guy and show Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson, these guys, what that outside physical receiver has to be able to do in this league. 
and they haven't had that guy, he could be one of those guys for them. And I think he's probably, if I had to guess, I'd say he's probably the number one target for them based on those those situations and where he's been. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he's the number one target. I think if I had to just say most likely as of right now, you would probably say the Georgia State wide receiver in Robert Lewis. Um, this is someone had a note up on the board earlier today, uh, Marcus Davis, and um, I think it was Cadillac was with him, went to go and see him actually today and visit him. Um, so he's a guy that you know maybe could pop up on campus as soon as this weekend or something. Really productive year, like 70 catches for 800-something yards and seven touchdowns, something like that. Yep. Um, so if you're talking most realistic, just zooming out completely, you would probably say Robert Lewis, but I think Will Shepard will be uh, – look, I think they want to bring in probably two transfer wide receivers. Um, so maybe it could be these two. <laughs> I think Will Shepard will be the number one target, though. Jason, I would agree with that. Uh, Corey, thank you for keeping me in line. I was thinking of where did they play in 22? The Citrus Bowl. That is the bowl that Tank opt out, opted out of. He did play against Houston. Um, but yeah, he that was so again, but it's, the point still remains. But yeah, he opted out the previous year. Um, Donovan had a question about um, the D line this year. Do you think it is a key position for us to hit in the portal? Yeah, about 20, 25 minutes ago, we were asked about top position to go after in the transfer portal and defensive line. Yeah, defensive line is definitely up there there's a bunch of we haven't even gotten to the AM guys sorry all there's a couple questions about the Texas A&M guys like Walter Nolan it's LT Overton I believe is the other yeah Levius yeah Levius Overton the kid from Georgia that yeah Walter Nolan is going to be I mean he's going to be paid a ton of Tennessee kid Tennessee kid they were in it you know for him too they were going to unload the bank I believe um yeah you know will Auburn kick the tires yes Will you kick the tires to figure out is it worth it from a from an NIL standpoint? Does it fit what we're looking for from a you know character style? All those things. Again, we, we talked a little bit about it. It all goes into it, but there's no question that defensive line is is a focus for them to try to find at least a couple of guys to to kind of get you a little bit more push up front from that defensive front. Yeah, they need a couple. I, I like Harmon a lot from Michigan State. Um, somebody like that, I think, would be would be good for them. Um, that actually brings me. I'll bring this up real quick. Um, yeah. Maris Williams, the Florida defensive line commit. You know, we saw Jeremiah Beeman tweet out earlier today, thousand percent locked. Um, Jason, you know, we've been reporting that a final decision was expected on December tenth. We went to go and see him play on Friday. Didn't get a great feeling about where Auburn kind of sat with that, um, and Auburn sent some coaches to go and see him. Um, maybe Monday. Sunday, I can't remember what it was, but they saw him on Friday um, as well and didn't get a great feeling. Alabama goes in home today, and it seems like that one's kind of shut down for the most part there. It was always going to be really tough to pull an in-state kid from Birmingham committed to Alabama with kind of some Alabama ties there as well. So this is a guy that quietly behind the scenes, you know, we didn't even really know about him for for too long. Um, Auburn has been working on Amaris Williams out in North Carolina. Um, and had it up on the board a couple of hours ago. So if you're a subscriber at AuburnUndercover.com, you would have gotten this news several hours ago. Um, but he is going to officially visit this weekend. Um, and this is a guy who's he's you know, he's ranked higher than Jeremiah Beeman is. <laughs> he's ranked in like the 40s or something like that. Pretty much the exact same position. That five tech defensive end. Um, you know, it was it was Beeman and LJ McRae. Now it's kind of Beeman on the outside and the two Florida commits now in Amaris Williams and LJ McCray. And right now the way things are trending, we'll see what, what happens this weekend, assuming Amaris Williams shows up, see if he wants to talk, if not see how things kind of go from Auburn's end. But this is a, this is a big one to track moving forward now for sure. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it, there, there's going to be, like I said, there'll be a lot of, a lot of moving parts uh, in the next, what we got 15 days to the 20th. Uh, so it's, there are going to be a lot, whole lot of moving parts till uh, till two weeks from tomorrow to see uh, what happens in this signing class, and then you know the, these the transfer guys can basically get to to show up on campus in in, in January. So a whole lot to, to pay attention to. Yeah, we mentioned. Uh, I just want to bring this one up real quick from Corey Colin Lacey. Yeah, I mean anytime. So that's South Alabama receiver, thirteen hundred yards. 
this season and uh, and seven touchdowns. Definitely a guy if you're Auburn. I mean, if you if you can get some interest from him, um, it's it's just intriguing a little bit because he's more of a slot guy. Um, but I think if you can if you can get somebody like that, you'll certainly take it. Dion Burks was the name that was brought up a while ago too in a question um, from Purdue, and we talked about him a little bit having a bunch of interest from other programs. There's a bunch of really good receivers, and you have to think if Auburn can get one of those high level guys again to bridge the gap between some really talented freshmen. Um, going back to our earlier point on Damari Alston, uh, he just tweeted six minutes ago, we need KJ. Um, so that's a guy, <laughs> that's a guy who likes, he, he likes his role at Auburn. He likes being at Auburn. Um, let's see here. I think maybe we are getting close to wrapping up. What do you guys think? I'm trying to go through here. Christian, is there anything else you want to hit on? I think we've hit through most of the parts, most of the names. Um, yeah, I was gonna say like I want to. I know, um, we, I know we, we don't should do every question, but J- Jason, let's touch on Super Seven just a little bit because we haven't really talked about yeah. that. I mean, we haven't talked about Cam Coleman at all. Absolutely. I mean, that's it's, you know that happened on Friday. Now with the portal and everything, it's almost old news because of everything that's happened. But it's it's so huge. You know, Nathan, you pointed out he's the third highest rated commit in Auburn history right now. Yeah, he he deserves. Uh... And, and honestly, to, to wrap it up by talking about him in the Super 7 is is, is probably right. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get to see a what I think is going to be a really fun game to kick things off Wednesday night. Cam Coleman. Central really cold Kansas. game. It's going to be a little chilly uh, in Tuscaloosa. Um, but you know, Cam's a guy that has, you know, we've been, we've been talking to, watching for two-plus years now. And um, to see him commit and, and, you know, say, hey, it's done, it's over with. Um, just a massive get for Auburn. There's, no, there's just no other way to put it. And, I mean, you know how big Perry Thompson is. Cam is built different. Um, he's long, lean. Uh, I kind of had A.J. Brent, AJ Green comparison, too, and I think that's kind of who he reminds me of. But you get a chance to go up against a really good secondary. Um, Caleb Harris, Auburn commitment from Thompson, is a big physical safety. But Anquan Fagan's a five-star, 2025 DB that has five or six picks for Thompson. Um, they got some young guys up front to rush the passer, but you know Central Christian, we've seen them you know a couple of times here, and and you look at you know Auburn's offer Dylan Gentry, Cam's one of his best friends on the other side is a wide receiver that can play, but then they end up Shaw, twenty twenty five wide receivers legit, and then they got a quarterback that all he does is just get on the football and has monster numbers, so it's going to be a fun way to start it off. Yeah, Jason, I want to. I think one of my favorite Cam Coleman stories is um, I think this is right before I joined on here at Auburn Undercover, but when you first went out there and saw Cam for the first time at yeah. a central practice and Patrick Nix specifically yeah. made note of that to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Carmelo English was a kid that, that ended up committing to Auburn and that wound up at, at Michigan. Um, but he was the guy that everybody was coming to see. And I walk out, they wanted, I've known Patrick Nix a long time. And he says, that guy's an NFL receiver. I'm like, but that, that, Tall, he's like, yep. He said he's he's you know still learning, and and what I didn't realize then, I didn't really realize until a couple of weeks ago, when we we talked to Patrick after the Auburn Central game, and he's like, this kid's still supposed to be a junior. He's only sixteen years old. That's that's so he's still still just kind of maturing physically, and he's already done the things he's done. He's we saw his coming out party last year. Yep. They're playing IMG Academy, and he catches a pass and proceeds to Sammy Coates about five guys in a row and throw them down to the ground. And you're like, okay, that was it. Um, and since that time, he's been almost unstoppable. And um, so, yeah, just you, you just can't even – there's no way to quantify how important it is for Auburn to get a commitment from Cam Coleman um, to get back in a central program that – uh, we were, we had this discussion when we were watching them a couple of weeks ago, Auburn and Central, and you go, okay, how far do you have to go back? Auburn got John Broussard out of there probably now 10 years ago. Um, he was a DB that was highly rated coming in, but never really never really panned out. You had Jonathan Wallace, quarterback, that ended up moving to wide receiver. You got to go back to Ed King and, and, and Bo Peep, James Joseph, for Auburn to go difference makers from, from Phoenix City. You're talking about, you know, mid to late 80s um, since that happened. And um, so it's a good way to kick off the Super 7. And it kind of gets bookended with the back end and, and the 6A game. We were at Parker and Clay Chauvel last weekend. Uh, get to see 
Auburn commitment, DJ Barber, once again. And uh, it, it's going to be a challenge for that Clay Chaffel team. But but they're they're loaded. They got some players too. Sarah Land with Ron Williams and KJ Lacey, Antonio Coleman, twenty twenty five receivers, running backs. It's going to be it's going to be such a fun football game. I can't wait. And so we're looking forward to seeing everything that happens at Tuscaloosa this week, including the uh, presidential debate including, on Wednesday night. Yes, including yes, the presidential debate, which goes <laughs> at the same exact time as the seven A football game, just across campus. No way. In the music building, yep. So Nathan, that music building over by the Paul Bryant Museum, Moody? will be hosting the the one of the presidential debates tomorrow night. So they've got roads blocked. So I told wow. Christian, anybody that's watching this, planning on being in Tuscaloosa tomorrow night, you might ought to get there a few hours early just to make sure you can get a parking place and, and get in. Jason, are you going to moderate? Bill O'Reilly is moderating it. <laughs> that's probably a good thing because I'm probably would not be. Uh, I don't know. I, I better be quiet. So I'll just, you know, so, um, Moody Music I, Building. No political, no, no political one way or the other that statements. I just probably wouldn't be good at, at dealing with the things that go on during those. So. Hey, dealing with it, politicians. Hey, it, uh, if, it, if it adds to the wackiness at all, that building got struck by lightning two years ago or a few years ago. Huh. I don't know if it's the new one or not, but that music building definitely caught on fire at some point. And then I think they... I think they tore it down. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's another thing to throw into the, uh, the, the super seven, a couple of first days up in Tuscaloosa this week. So. Well, you guys can like, you guys can have a nice relaxing wind down at the debate after, <laughs> after watching Cam Coleman tomorrow. Yeah. That'd be nice. Um, all right, guys. I think since we are over an hour now, I think we'll probably call it there. Um, we've held like 400 viewers this whole time, pretty much. That's pretty crazy. Um, we appreciate everybody for for joining in. Um, we'll do the plug here at the end because that's what we should do. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube and you guys are not a subscriber at our website, we just had a 75% off deal um, and then they followed it right up here with a nice little flash sale um, for the transfer portal week at 60% off. Um, so I believe I calculated it out. I think it's 82 cents a week. It's 51 cents a week, Bruce. I think it's like 82 cents a week. Um, so less than a dollar a week. Um, we would love to have you guys over there. Um, we're having a ton of fun. I, I, I know you guys are. I'll speak for myself. though. It's been a really fun time over at our website, and we're continuing to try to make great VIP content for you guys. And uh, everything we've talked about in here, we've talked about in stories and have been previewing for uh, for a long time. So AuburnUndercover.com, um, that deal runs until Wednesday night. So you have pretty much a whole other day to go jump on that and join the family over there on the message board. So um, yeah, we appreciate everybody for being on here today for Christian Clemente and Jason Caldwell. I'm Nathan King. We'll catch you guys later. Everybody have a great rest of your week. Talk to you all soon. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 seven. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.